Hello, I'm Jesse, and you're listening to the second episode of I'm Thinking About You, the podcast where I talk to my friends. Thank you to everyone who listened to the first episode, and especially those who were like live texting me as they were listening to it. I had a great time getting all your messages, and I've also appreciated some of your gentle inquiries about the new episodes. So yeah, thank you for sticking around. I am recording this at midnight. I have no good reason why that's happening, but it's probably the only time I could do it. No, that's not true. But anyway, I knew making a podcast was going to be hard, but I totally underestimated how much I don't want to sit in front of a computer to work on it after being online the whole day for school or work. So before we start the episode, I want to set some context for the guest. So some of you may already notice, but I was once a concert slash music photographer, and it always feels a little weird no matter how I phrase it, but now I just say a lapsed music photographer, which is in my Instagram bio. But anyway, I picked up photography as a hobby in high school, and I was shooting shows on and off until 2018. I've been paid for it, but it was never my main source of income. And it's a fun thing to do and to meet people, and I make friends, and I miss it sometimes. But it's exhausting, and I think I might be too stressed out to do it now. And I brought it up because my guest today is music photographer Adam Amakayas. If you were in the pop-punk, post-hardcore, warp tour, alternative press music scene in the 2010s, you would have seen Adam's work at one point because he's photographed basically every popular band at that time. And if none of those words mean anything to you, don't worry about it. I think you'll still be entertained by our conversation. Anyway, Adam's career coincided with social media and Instagram, and I think it's safe to say that his work and long-standing relationships with some of the bands he worked with really made the case for artists and bands to have their own photographers on tour on a regular basis. And it also made it possible for people to actually have a career as a touring music photographer today. If you want to learn more about Adam's career, I added some links in the show notes to other podcasts he's been on that will provide more background to how his career started and all the kind of works he's done. Um, Because this is not a professional podcast, like I'm trying not to do a professional podcast where it's like, how did you get this job? But so, you know, this is a friend's podcast, so I didn't get his full life story. Um, But instead, we talk about how we met, talk about some work stuff, we caught up on what we've been up to. And we also talked about whatever came in our minds, and he prepared something to show me. When you hear us talk about a screenshot and got really confused because you're like, I can't see what you're talking about. There's a link in the show notes, and you can click open the image so you can follow along. Okay, start us off, Jesse. Let's rock and roll. Okay. Hi, Adam. Hey, Jesse. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I listened to your first podcast a little bit, very a little bit, just to make sure that you, in fact, did make a first episode. Yeah, if we didn't schedule it today... It probably would not have come out yesterday. So I kind of rushed it a little bit just so you can listen to it a little bit and have a general idea of what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And I like the idea of winging stuff too, because it makes like, I don't want to like think of everything ahead of time. I want to think of it as we go. So like, I like to know enough. So I know the general direction we're heading, but I don't want to know too much so that everything is pre figured out. You know what I mean? Yeah. When I was planning to start the podcast, you are obviously on my list. Of people to talk to yes. but I just didn't think it would be this soon because this is my second recording so I was like I will do a few more of these and then like I'll have something to show Adam and then I'll ask him if he wants to be on my podcast and then as soon as I told you because we were talking about something else you were like can I be on it and you didn't even ask what it was about anything you just said can I be on it so well, I that's <laughs> that's because you're Jesse You've got you've got the the OG kind of you've got that card. And I will say usually when somebody hits me up, I tell them like I'll be their 10th episode or their 15th episode. Like I want to be the thing that you do after you've proved to me that you're going to do it. But with you, I want to be like, I don't need you to prove to me that you're going to do it. I just want to be a part of whatever you're doing. You know, it's like a different goal. Not to say that you won't get to 10 or 15. I just mean I'm as happy to be here talking to you. Yeah, and that was very surprising and flattering. And I'm glad we're doing this now. And I'm really excited to talk about the stuff we got to talk about. I know you probably don't do many of these very casual podcasts. I feel like this is your first one where I'm not going to just exclusively ask you about photography because I feel like (laughs) you are going to be sick of talking about that. Yeah, so it will be part of it, but not all of it. 
Well, I just want to let you know that I'm honored to be here too because you have successfully, and I don't know if you know this, ruined every single person who's worked for me chances of being the best person that's ever worked for with me. I would say with me because you are the best person I've ever worked with. Like whenever I hire somebody else, I was like, no, like when we do something new, send me like a layout of how to use the program, like teach me it. Because I'll always think back to when you taught me how to use one password and Google and all these things that I know how to use so well now, but you started me on them. We can go back to one password because it's still like a software I'm so excited about. And I'm wondering if maybe we could get a sponsorship from them at some point. But yes, I do love this company and they're based in Canada. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're amazing. They are Toronto based and they like recently got like $600 million in funding because I think that's wow. where the direction is going. Like I keep telling my friends to use one password or they need to get a password manager. I recently put my mom on it over the holiday break, like, cause I started sorting out her passwords and I was like, we cannot live like this. I don't know how you Dude. do this. Like, and then, so it's crazy what people do. Yeah. So you, we need to pass it along and tell all our friends about password managers and using them. So how many people do you say this to? You say, hey, use one password. And they're like, I do use one password for everything. And you're like, no, <laughs> that's not what I mean. First of all, don't do that. Second of all, no, it's an app that manages all your passwords and creates ones you can't remember and remembers them for you. It's great. Wow. Yeah. I think that should be on your podcast. Maybe you should pass that along. We can work on that sponsorship. All right, deal. You hit up one password. Let's get them on my podcast and then we'll get them on your podcast too. And let's get that sponsor money because I've never heard of them anywhere. And touring people, traveling people would definitely need it. Yeah, like there's a big market there. And yeah, yeah I keep telling, I told this year I, or last year, I told two friends to use it. Like, so it's great, changed my life. And I think parents definitely need it. Oh, so. parents need way more than that. They need like a they need like a whole computer manager. Can yeah, you yeah, imagine? Yeah. Have you seen desktops of anybody over the age of fifty? It looks like a digital version of a basement or a garage or something. It's crazy. I'm like, what is wrong with you? My mom showed me. She downloaded some PDF documents and accidentally changed the default software to open it to Chrome. And she saved them on her desktop. And one day she asked me, why are all these Chrome icons here? I cannot find my actual Chrome icon. And then I yeah. changed it back for her. But it's things like that. You're like, wow, like, how do you even do this? I can't imagine. So yeah, use a password manager is what yeah. I want to say. But hashtag sponsored. Yes. Um, I, yeah. So a big thing about this podcast is obviously like a secret desire is just have people come here and say nice things about me. And I think you nailed that in the first two minutes. So, oh, are we done? I will save that recording for the rest of my life and show it to yes. future employers. I don't know how far you made it to the first episode, but the reason I started this podcast is because I was applying for jobs and I was going through my resume and I would be like trying to tell people what I used to do or <laughs> there's a cat. Yes, there is Adam's cat markets in the background. And so I would be telling recruiters what I used to do and trying to make examples. And I was finding it really hard because recruiters don't really appreciate some of the examples I had unless they're like really, really good at their job. But I, I would be saying, oh, I used to help this music photographer. Like I kind of started doing stuff for him for free and then he started paying me. It's like I just kind of worked my way into a paying job and <laughs> doing something that I actually still get paid to do today. So... I've kind of made a career out of what I used to do for you, yeah. uh, which is very cool. And that's what I mostly wanted to talk to you about because it meant a lot to me. And Well, that's yeah. cool. I didn't yeah. know that. Maybe I knew that, kind of. Yeah, we can go more into that in a little bit. So the first question is, do you remember the first time we met? Except this is a kind of interesting and special case because I don't know when we would count it. But uh, when would you consider? I don't remember how we met. I didn't like dig into the email or anything like that. <laughs> I just know when we started working together was maybe like around lens bracelets or something like that. or I don't know. But you tell me. I'm all ears. Okay. So it's earlier than lens bracelets. Mm. I wow. reached out to you in 2009 December okay. of 2009, because I was in high school. It was my last year in grade 12. And the year before, I started going to shows. And then the same year I got, 
I got my first DSLR and I started shooting shows. I started going to shows and then like, you know, I got deep into the Flickr community and then I found out about your work. And then I started reading your blogs in my photography class because the teacher was very chill and just let us be on the computer doing whatever. So I just spent most of my time just going through Flickr and your work. (laughs) And then I was also taking a journalism class. And then at that point, we had to write a long form article where it's maybe 1300 words or something on the topic we're interested in. And then I wrote about being a photographer because it was at the time when like digital cameras were accessible and everyone's shooting and then everyone was trying to make money out of doing what you love. And then so I interviewed a few people about what their thoughts on it on whether it's a sustainable career. Um, So I interviewed a wedding photographer in California. And another person was someone of my age that I also met on Flickr in the area. And he started doing a lot of like model shoots and strobist style shoots. And then I also emailed you and asked if I could interview you and briefly explained what I was trying to do. And that was the only professional email I ever wrote you because after that, it's just all gone downhill. And I read through all of them yesterday. We're not professional. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, email wise, tone wise, but that was the most formal email I wrote you. And then everything else just sort of been very extremely casual to a point that I was like, this is too casual now that I read about it. But I think I wrote it that way because that's how you write emails. So I sort of mirrored that way of talking to is you this, is this the email you sent me on november 28th of 2009 my name uh, is jesse lau i'm a huge fan of your work i'm a senior in high school i've written an article i find a piece of journalism class being a professional photographer and paying paying bill is yes that yes that was it got it that was it i don't delete any emails yes i i think i know that too and then <laughs> so i wrote the article i don't know if you ever read it i could send it to you later but one of the thing i wrote Oh, okay. Another important thing to mention about the timeline is that you had just gone on the tour to Europe with a day to remember. Okay. And then I think that blog post made a very big impression on me because, and I don't know if it's, yeah, it was, (laughs) it was long. And I think that was also the first time you started writing those tour diaries. And it was a time when the images were very interesting and special to you and to the band because it was their first time. I think in Europe as well. And then so... My first. Their second. Okay, yeah. It was your first time in Europe. And it was just a lot of fun to read. And at that point, I've never been to Europe. I didn't know that I would want to go to Europe. Like, I don't know. It was very new <laughs> and it was very interesting and fresh. And it was really fun to read. So then I reached out to you and then I interviewed you. And then so I finished the article and then I'll send the whole link to you later because... Yeah, send it to me. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah, know well. if I have it. So here's some of the things I wrote that... I want to read out to you because it's very interesting to me to look back to it now because I think it's still true for you. Okay, here it is. (laughs) Talent is only half of what it takes in running a successful photography business. On top of being an awesome photographer, Adam Amakayas is a great businessman. And then I kind of talked about how you made like your editing DVD. You did a lot of workshops and stuff like that. And then you also, okay, this this is kind of funny. This is not great writing by any means. Despite his age, Adam Amakaius does not keep his head up in the clouds. He is as real as a downsizing economy. And here's a quote. I try to keep as busy as possible, always coming up with ways to pay my rent when I don't make enough just from shooting. I self-assign work as much as I can. And then in the end, there is a little advice for emerging photographers to just do it. And Adam thinks it's important to go out there and do it rather than just sit there and think about it instead of making actual efforts. Staying busy, stay busy all the time. If you have nothing to do, find something to do and make it happen. Wow. It's so weird hearing what your past self said. I believe that I said those things. Well, it's mostly an email. So yeah, you definitely said those things. And (laughs) you wrote those things. But what was interesting to me was the same thing is still true to you to this day, I think. Like what really inspired me most about you and your work and your whole, you know, the last 13, 14 years you've been doing this is you were very, you've done a lot of different things every few years and you will move on from it as soon as it's not working or you're done with it. And I don't know if you have a hard time letting go of it or moving on with it, but you know when to call it. Some people don't know when to call it. Mm-hmm or when to switch tracks or do something else. But I think your ability to kind of 
do something else. It's very interesting. And we could walk through kind of well, like think- a general idea of the stuff you did. But um, yeah. Yeah, well, I was, I was just going to say in, in response to that, like I think from the outside looking in, it might appear those ways. But from my perspective and my experience, I constructively criticized myself for maybe inaccurately knowing when to call it and possibly even calling it too early in some regards on some things. And it's hard because I have a really low sample size, right? I just know what I've done. I don't know everybody else. So for me, like that was kind of how I felt. So for example, currently on a podcast, I almost called it 10 episodes ago and it just started getting even better. So I'm so happy I didn't. So maybe that was just a happy accident, but I I know what you mean. It it is hard to know when something's done, when you want to do the next thing, when should you keep doing this thing? How much can you do at once? It's It's a lot. Yeah, because you did, this is just like a list off the top of my head, right? So you started off there with these editing DVDs you did. That's even before you became like a touring photographer. You just released them on your own, I think. That was very early on, the first set you ever did. Oh, yeah. That first editing DVD, I'll always remember, and I've probably told you this before, because my mom had the heat set 10 degrees lower than she meant to that winter. And I did that DVD twice because I messed it up once and had to do the whole thing over or something in my basement. And I wore Ugg boots and a coat the whole time. And it was so hard to talk and record. I should probably listen back to that thing. I still have it. It's probably so insane that it's a real it's a real thing. It was a very different time when people were selling editing DVDs. But I guess now they still do that. It's just the form's different. Like, it doesn't come in a DVD form, but you know. Yeah. Okay. And the second thing I have on the list is photography pans. I don't think that ever took off, but. I have one pair left in my closet because I refuse to get rid of them. But yeah, the reason that didn't happen was because the company I worked with out of Thailand sent me my samples and then fell off the face of the planet. So, you know, I have like, I got my 20 whatever samples. I sent some to friends. I had some and they're, they're fun. Like I still have them, but yeah, they're, that company disappeared. Okay. And then lens bracelets. I think that's the one that made it pretty wide and big. And that started off as a promotional item. Yeah. That was like the, the silicone bracelets. That one like allowed me to kind of have free time and probably learn a lot about spending money, managing businesses, what a successful business can look like, how much money it actually takes to run a business. That was like a big learning experience that I wish I obviously in retrospect, wish I would have saved more money. But I'm so happy and thankful for the life I've lived that I would never like really feel that way, I think. Okay, that sounds great. And then I think there's a YouTube phase. I don't know if it's a good phase, like, but you started doing a more some more YouTube vlog style video at yeah, the same I time. Mean, yeah. Yeah. Do, what, what, do you want me to like kind of go through everything? Or you no, just it's okay. I just want to. I just want to bring them up you like a time general timeline. Uh, like, so there was the YouTube vlogs and then there was a lot of merch selling you put cat you put mark yeah you put mark on it and to the point you had your own tents on warp tour as a photographer which was very sick still is and then you did did it you did it your music photographer magazine yeah and then there are the photography challenges on instagram and then the twitch editing challenges and then now the podcast and in between, you also held workshops on the tours that you did and had interns coming to yeah, help you. Yeah, workshops, shoot. taught some workshops. And then there's a lot of things that I had ideas for that didn't even make it to becoming that public. There was like some stuff called I could take pictures with my mind, which was like I was like 20 and it was really weird. And I got audio clips from band members. There was, you know, concept shoots like backstage portraits or onstage portraits. So there was different subsets of photography. And then my photography itself would change from like doing press photos or live photography or lifestyle. So everything kind of morphed as I morphed. And that is like so much more fun to me. Basically, you know, it keeps it interesting, I think. Yeah. And that's one of the things I learned from you is because I also try to do that in my own life. Like if something is not working, I'm not having a good time here, I'll do something else. But until then, mm-hmm. I'll I'll hang out. But then I will try and figure out what to do, what's my next thing is and do that. Or yeah, so. like the, the I always think like, what's the thing I want to improve on? And then what's a thing I can do that allows me to improve on that? So for example, you know, doing a podcast helps me be a better speaker. And being a better speaker was a really big goal of mine because 
it's necessary for public speaking and talking to people. It's how you navigate the industry. And I am was very terrible, am getting better, but it's a hard, it's a hard part if you didn't I didn't go to college. And I think you would learn a lot of that stuff there, maybe. Um, it's yes and no. Like they kind of throw <laughs> you like when it comes to doing presentations, they kind of just throw you in. And then you just kind of figure it out. And I think a lot of people still have a lot of that anxiety, me included. I am doing my master's right now. And then there are a lot of group projects and presentations because it's kind of a business adjacent program. So they make you do a lot of those. And then because mostly this program has been remote for the last two years, a lot of presentations can be done online and virtually. So it hasn't been that bad because you can sort of read through a script and talk like that. But then there was one presentation I had to be in person when it was opening up. And the first time I practically had a panic attack, just being up on the stage and like trying to figure out if you want to read off the script or be natural. But it was very intense. And my second one went a little better, but the first one was a lot. And then just had to figure it out. But the same with like, I think when you started the podcast, I also texted you. I was like, wow, like you sound great. Like I, because knowing you, I know how, what a big deal it was or how nervous you were. So I can, I'm, my potential for nervousness is high. <laughs> I think like, yeah, me too. So like even starting this podcast, I was like, I don't know. Like I know I can talk, like I can easily talk to different people, but I don't know what it's like yeah. in like a recording setting. So, you know, we're still like figuring out. Yeah. So anyway. How are you liking it? It's fun. It's a lot of talking. I haven't really, I've talked <laughs> a lot the <laughs> last four <laughs> weeks between just talking to recruiters and like group projects and like yeah. working on the podcast. I think it's it's definitely easier than typing. I never thought I would say this, but there was one group project where one of the group mates actually didn't want to meet and just want to type up all the answers. And the rest of us were like, let's just get on a call and for half an hour, it'll be better than if we... Um, spending the time to write stuff out because it usually might take longer. So, you know, stuff like that. But um, yeah, I forgot where we were at. Okay, so... We're just riffing. I know, we are. Okay, so I I interviewed you and then I kept emailing you just once in a while because you would do these long blog posts with very detailed descriptions and with all your images you take on tour. And then sometimes there might be a little typo or link might be broken <laughs> and there are like spelling mistakes mostly and then but you know sometimes images get repeated because it was a very manual process I still don't know how you did it what your workflow was I think there was none but um, yeah you just put it out there and then I'll read it and just ask for some clarifications and then eventually I would start sending them to you like every blog post you did with some like asking for clarifications oh, yeah, and then eventually, you just started sending me, <laughs> sending them to me to correct them. Um, <laughs> I was, I looked through them and I was like, this was a terrible process. Like, I should have insisted on a better process at that point because you were just copying and pasting it in the email. Um, but yeah, it was great. I, I was surprised because now I read through them. I was like, how, what do any of these mean? How do you like, how do you wrap your head around this? Because it's not the best way of conveying information. And I did that on and off for a couple years. At one point, a year on, you're like, do you want me to pay you? Because I can pay you. I can't pay a lot. And then I just sort of ignore that the first time you brought it up. Because I was like, I'm fine doing this for free for someone like I admire. You know, like it was. I, yeah, like, yeah. So, it's beneficial in other ways. Yeah, like I like having advanced access to all these like like a first look on these blocks right and it yeah. gave me something to do outside of school which was not very interesting at that point and in 2012 I think you redid your website and then you just asked me if I <laughs> if I wanted a job oh yeah and then you just you just started paying me for it and I was like amazing like great I didn't know I could get paid doing something I was already doing for free which is you know something a lot of photographers could probably relate when they started doing anything for fun and that someone started paying them for it and it was very important to me because I just never knew that could happen and I think yeah it just really made an impression on me so it was very special because now that's the kind of job I actually go for like the exact same job I have been doing more or less the exact same thing like updating content and kind of editing and putting them in the right place yeah you have a good attention for detail yeah it's such a niche job that if I wasn't doing it (laughs) for you I would have not realized there was a market for it so 
thank you for that. Well, I mean, I you should also I I know it's can sound cliche, but like you really did create that job on your own. You helped me notice I need that notice that I needed that thing. I would not have been aware enough to have figured that out on my own. Like you started doing all those emails. It's it's your fault. I mean, I'll help you walk in that door, but you definitely created it. I also don't understand cuz like spell check existed. <laughs> Why doesn't this man use spell check? But I'm like, you're paying me just to be a fancy spell check. It's fine. Yeah, what was I using? I was using like text editor. I, I think I always use text editor. There are so many typos that a spell check could have fixed it. And I'm not like a not an editor, but I just I would just fix up basic spelling errors. And I think you have a very distinctive voice. I always try to just like, you know, keep it in there. Um, yeah. So it's not much work per se, but just to make sure some stuff line up and then, you know, the images are proper, which Speaking of images, when I was going through your old blogs, the images all, are broken. <laughs> all of them, probably, right? All of I them, yeah. I think because your smugmug links, you're probably something shifted in the smugmug size. So you can probably have to go and dig out the links. Yeah, I don't know what happened on smugmug because I still have them there, but it's weird because they used to like travel. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If you change the location, yeah. Then, um, yeah, you know. yeah, we can we can deal with that later. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> really, I, I haven't looked in my photography slash blog world in a long time. Yeah, I did just to just to get an idea of what happened in the last you know so many years. Like some stuff I did when I looked at the emails, I was like, I thought I did that sooner. Like I didn't realize how much stuff or how much time passed between each thing we did. Yeah. So when I looked at that, I was yeah. like, wow, like it really like kind of flew by. Yeah. Anyways, so so yeah, that was uh oh the one thing I wanted to say to you is there was a thing I tried to do and I asked you for your permission and what you thought and you just said whatever works I trust you and that I trust you I held on to that for so long because it's <laughs> again it's, no one ever actually says that out loud to me at that point in my life I guess even even now people don't explicitly say that yeah like I haven't really had a manager who will say that out loud they'll be like here's your task you can go do it you have a question they'll like explain it but then like but that was a very explicit people myself included like to have some ownership over what they're doing to an extent so you can feel you know personally invested into it so for me it was like very silly like if i'm going to tell you what to do step by step i might as well just do it myself i know there's initial like setup costs to everything and some people require more than others but to an extent you have to like surrender some of your vote of confidence because when you said that i was saying in my head i'll be like why does he trust me i actually don't know don't know that much like he thinks i'm like smart but i was like i know a lot of people smarter than me a lot of my friends are smarter than me so i was like okay this is like very big but, deal but yeah it meant a lot to me well that's great i mean that's great to hear and can i tell you the thought process behind it yeah is that okay okay yeah. i don't remember where i read it it's a collection of books but basically the idea is that you know, I hire you or I work with you because I like what you do. And I, I remember learning a collection of these things like people don't respond well to like, you know, plug in the light. Okay, I plugged in the light. What next? Okay, go build the coffee table. I did that. Give you permission to do that. Like, I think sometimes people might know that, but they need to hear it. Yeah, well, that's good to know that you liked hearing that. So I know to say it. Sorry to cut you off. Keep going. But yeah, no, yeah, that's very important. So nitpickiness and let people kind of do their own thing i think i mean yeah yeah it's true that's why like good managers are very hard to find and you were good bonds between let you do like let you run your own course like figure it out but also giving you a good set of direction like okay this is not the direction i want to go and then maybe this mm -hmm. is good and yeah like after working in the quote-unquote real world for a little bit like it's it doesn't come common like sometimes that's a very rare case um to find someone who was also who actually you know trusts you and that's yeah i think that's all Noted. i wanted to say have on my list that i was like oh i need to tell i need to tell adam these things well that's cool it's nice hearing what stuck out in your mind from our relationship because i know through my own relationships with people that you know the things that are sometimes highlights for some people are impactful for others don't necessarily mean they were the same for, you know, for our example, like me telling you, I trust you. That was normal for me, impactful for you. And I think it's really interesting. You know, the stuff that's probably normal for you is really impactful for me. As I shared with you on 
breaking down how one password works and doing things like that or your level of organization. So it's nice to hear those things from people because it's good feedback, right? It helps you do better. Yeah. And that's partly why I also want to do this podcast because like similar things have happened with a lot of people in my life. Like they, you know, they, they did something at a point that meant a lot to me, but they probably don't know that. So I just want to use this opportunity to tell them, you know, so. Yes. Thank you for doing that. And I appreciate you taking time to tell me and I'm happy to be part of your next journey. I know you're casually starting it, but you could do, you know, if, if you stick with it, who knows where you'll go. Yeah, we'll just get sponsored by password managers and do like tech checks for everyone. Yeah, anyway. This podcast is sponsored by every password manager that exists. They all work. Except maybe the browser ones. Don't stick with the browser ones. Like, um, like the Google Chrome autofill yeah, stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. Might have to cut that out in case Google tries to come for me. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> I think that's all I have on my list. Um, that's the whole podcast? No, I. we could all talk right, about something. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, we could talk about something else. But uh, no, but that's, the, but, that's the, but that's the big stuff I wanted to tell you is what I meant. Well, so. thanks for telling me that stuff. It's nice to hear it. And I appreciate you kind of thinking about it, going back in time and recalling everything and taking time to tell me and record me to prove that you told me yeah is that is that why you're recording it yeah yeah look at this thing my girlfriend got me custom with mr rogers face on the front it's a book well it's not a book it's a notebook and it says (laughs) you are special you are special to me there's only one in this wonderful world it sounds like an incomplete quote but that's it that is very sweet (laughs) yeah it is sweet what have you learned the most about I guess working with so many different people because I know after me definitely you hired a lot of different people I don't know how much you want to share like because I but I also like that you find people you have interacted with I guess you don't just hire completely random people yeah I've had like a few iterations of people that didn't work out and things that I've done wrong so the people I worked with the longest were you Kelly and Colin that was a time where I had more money to spend than I do now because lens bracelets brought in so much money and the things you guys were doing were more important because they were generating more money. Now it's more like personal, right? The person that works with me now is Connor and Connor I found through the internet, but he was, you know, much like you attending things consistently that I was doing and we connected and talked and Connor was at a much earlier stage in his career or in his life, I would say, than you were when we met, believe it or not. And um, Connor will be okay with me saying this stuff. Like, he's crushing it now. He's in L.A. doing a great job. Uh, We hung out two days ago. So I've worked with, tried to work with other people after you and Kelly, but I would do, like, an intern thing, and a bunch of people would hit me up, and I'd respond, and I'd start working with somebody, and then after a few months, it just wouldn't work out. Like, it's, it's hard for me to identify who has, like, the drive because I never want to work with somebody who I have to, my job is to make sure they're doing their job. So yeah. I always try to find people who are able to kind of self, you know, it's it's because I come from the touring world, right? Like everybody's so busy doing their own thing that yet the bare minimum, you have to do your job. If you can't do your job at the bare minimum, then my job gets even harder. So I know there's some upkeep, like, you know, a new person comes on, I got to teach them how I do everything. But to me, it's like a, a, a good investment. And I really haven't worked with too many people, uh, just people like designers here and there. And But I do I do most of everything myself these days, I think. Yeah, learning to manage and learning to train people, or just like, yeah, learning what works for you and on the other side too, like learning what works for them because some people might need more directions than others and then you don't know until you try it. It's a learning process for everyone. Yes, example, Connor just sent me a text. He will be okay with me sharing this. Connor, hi, if you're listening. Hey, man, when you have a moment today, could I get your two cents on a situation I'm dealing with? Which is Connor just looking for advice, which is great. You know, try to help him out. Yeah, speaking of advice, like when I read through our emails, I was also surprised I just went to you for a lot of advice that I was like, wow, like if it were me now, I would not have be comfortable being that candid. What did you ask for? Um, and it was very minor things. It'd be like, I was like, oh, I need advice on this photo shoot I'm doing with my friend's band. And how do I focus on a group of people, which is, you know, a struggle. And you'd answer that or like, oh, this random band 
no one really knows about wants to use my photo on a t-shirt and like how much do I charge and I think it's just because you're so responsive like I was just so every time I was just surprised like not that he doesn't have better things to do but it's like he's incredibly responsive and I think it's something you've sort of carried on to what you've been doing and what you're doing is just like sharing yeah. I mean, I'm putting like a whole section in my book just about why teaching is important to me. And I think it's like so important because I just have experienced not having a teacher. I've experienced not having a teacher when I was younger and then not having people respond to me. And then also having people respond to me they looked up to and how impactful that was. And just remembering that impact and knowing that something that does take time during my day, like it's like... I don't have infinite time, but I think it's really valuable to help other people out when they ask questions in a respectful way and in a way that shows that they're not being lazy, right? It's I understand some people ask questions not because they want to know the answer, but because they want to talk to you, and that's okay. I'm okay with that too as long as we acknowledge like, hey, you're not here to figure out which lens is the best. You just want to talk to somebody. That's fine. You can find this on Google. But you know, when somebody does take the time to write a thoughtful question out, I will take the time to mindfully and thoughtfully answer it the best I can. Because those people, I mean, it helps people. And people, you know, hopefully they'll do the same. And then Mr. Rogers will be really, really happy. Yeah, I know you're a big Mr. Rogers person. He's the G. I have to be honest, because I didn't grow up in North America. I have never watched, like, it's not, it's not a fixture in my life. It's not something I'm particularly familiar with. But I do play. Hey, I I didn't watch it that much when I was a kid. I did watch it though, maybe when I was pretty young. But have you seen the documentaries? There's two. No, no, I have not. There's one with Tom Hanks that's more like real life, and then there's one where it's a legitimate documentary. I would highly advise watching them. They're very interesting, and I would also bring a full box of tissues, <laughs> one for each of them, because they do make you cry for the majority of the movie. They he is just so touching. I think I know the Tom Hanks one because it's by this great director. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she, I think she, let me see, let me look her up. Uh, the Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Oh, yeah, by Mar- Mariel Heller. Heller. Yeah, so she directed, did you watch um, Queen's Gambit? I haven't watched it. she do that? She played the mother of the main character, but she yeah. is also a director. And the other film she did is Can You Ever Forgive Me, which is a very underrated film i think it's very delightful in its own way but it's uh, yeah like she plays this drama role about this author it's a real life movie like it's based on a real story but this writer okay she was you know a struggling writer Uh, she writes bios and then she started forging famous people letters and then she got caught so it's kind of like a heist movie that's cool yeah and then and then but it's also about being like a struggling artist and like striving for connections and you know recognition um yeah i watched Mm -hmm. it on a plane and it was really good i was very surprised like i think sounds like a good plane movie it is good yeah you know it's got like a buddy heist scam thing going on and then it also like has a dramatic arc it really hits all the notes you want in the in an emotional movie but yeah, she's a she's a great director. All right, I will send it to my girlfriend and say we should watch this sometime. Amazing, lovely. All right, what else were we talking about? But yeah, I was listening to some not your podcast, but the interviews you were featured in the last week. Just because we weren't really in touch in the last few years, I was like, I need to brush my. What was I featured in? It was the punk rock MBA one. Oh yeah, one. Finn McKinty. That one and the one you did with Connor. Yeah, and I haven't really, um, I would say I've changed a lot in the past few years. So the Finn McKinty one is probably like two years old now, which is a lot of change time. Yeah, it was right before, I think it came out right before COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, unbeknownst to us. When did you move to LA? So I moved to LA for the first time in August of 2019. And then I left LA in August of 2020. I went to San Diego for a year with my girlfriend during COVID. And then August of 2021, moved back to L.A. with my girlfriend. And now I've been here for September, October, November, December, January, almost six months. I didn't know you went back to San Diego for a bit. I know. I didn't really publicize it that much because it's irrelevant to my work life. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I still will come up and work, but privately, you know, people knew I wasn't in L.A., but publicly I wasn't like, I'm not in the place where I need to work. So, yeah, yeah, it just was a headache. 
But I was going to ask is like, what were your plans before, you know, March 2020? What were my plans before March 2020? Like before, what, when is that? Before COVID. Like, uh, like my if plans COVID before COVID wasn't, if COVID didn't happen, what? Mm, the trajectory I was on in LA was I was actually working on the book I'm still working on, but in a different iteration. So I actually completed its proposal and query, which are just like 40 or 50 pages of writing. It was a lot. That took me a month or so. And while I was doing that, I was tasting podcasting in my own way. I was actually did a photography podcast for like three weeks on my own. And I would just shoot a YouTube video in my room and then use it as a podcast and write a blog about it. So I was kind of learning how content was. And I was doing content in LA, doing some photo shoots. And then COVID came around. I ended up having a girlfriend. And my focus really switched from professional to private, trying to figure out, or professional to personal, trying to just figure out what to do during COVID because I wasn't touring and, you know, I was trying to be safe. So I basically lost, quote unquote, lost my career because I lost the touring aspect of it and kind of went into, you know, hibernation mode. Like, how can I make my money last? What can I do to not spend it all? And what can I do for work? And so that kind of became my main focus. We moved to San Diego to save money on rent out of necessity. And also it was just nicer. And um, so did that and then came back to LA after a year in San Diego. And that's when I kind of started networking again, seeing all my friends, working on the book, working on the podcast. I worked on the podcast while I was in San Diego, obviously. That's where I started. And then, yeah. That's kind of what I've been doing. Podcast, book, and I have an agency that I do professionally. Oh, and right. I yes. do photography whenever I when I do photography whenever I get jobs, but I'm not in a rush to do anything I don't want to do. Yeah, that's like kind of the best part. Like you don't want to be rushed into doing things you don't want to do or feel like you have to do something you don't want to do. It's something I also learned about what I like to do with my photography. Like Obviously, I like really winded down the last few years. Like I wasn't shooting shows as much, and and I was focusing mm -hmm. on my job and doing other stuff. And even now, I would occasionally just do headshots or family photos for friends, and it's just like we're friends. I've never actually taken photos of people I don't know, and I think I like it better that way because I've had scenarios where a friend of a friend was like, "Oh, can you take these photos?" and I just would make up elaborate excuses like, "Oh, I'm too busy with school," and not <laughs> do it. So I think there's a lot to learn from that, like reluctance, because I don't need that money per se. Like it's not my main source of income. So I can sort of really pick what I want to do with it. So yes, yeah. I agree. It's nice to be excited about everything you're doing. Like after we're done talking, I'm excited to go back and work on my book. And then after I get to do that, I get to, you know, go write or something like that. And I relate to the feeling of being reluctant to do a photo shoot or having the criteria of what it is be something I don't want. So it's nice to make work fun again. Yeah, it, yeah. So. I think as a photographer, you also kind of easily slip into those like pitfalls when you feel like you have to do something for the next level or just get yeah. the next thing. This yeah. is required of me to advance my career or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to share a little bit about the book you're working on? Oh, I would love to. Every day I'm writing words for it. I'm currently reading... I don't have the book at arms. I'm currently reading the Stephen King book. Uh, it's called On Writing to Learn About Writing. I'm, I actually am happy that I wrote those blogs all those years because it helped me kind of develop my voice. But I am not, by how most writers would consider somebody a good writer, I am not a good writer. But I am very organized and I do know a lot. So if I can use those to my advantage and then work on the writing while I do it, that'll be great. But the, the book is, is my podcast, Don't Shit on the Bus. In theory, I could give this book to you. You could know nothing about the music world, but be interested in it. And you could learn everything about the music world to like a very basic full picture level. So you would know like, okay, when you go on tour, what's it like? Who's doing what? What's the goal? Where do you go during the day? What are the jobs that are available? How do I get into this? What's the words everybody are using? You know, how does it flow? It's more or less like a map to the touring music industry. And then it touches on other areas of the music world, like management, labels, publicists. You got to know these things just to work in it. So the idea is that it could be, if the schools allow the bad word, a textbook in that regard. But I think like the this year will be full of just working on that, but the next few months will be pretty heavy. So... I'm excited. I think that is that a good description of it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, like like you said, you know, you you do have a very distinctive voice, and it doesn't matter if you're 
quote unquote bad at writing because that's what editors are for. Like, you know, people right? better that's what than I'm this job. Like it's a group effort to put a book out. Like, you know, you can do it. You get there. Yeah. And, you know, you know, some cool people. My friends know some cool people. So hopefully with the help of everybody, I can get it picked up by. I want it to be in stores. I don't want to self-publish a book. Anybody can self-publish a book just like I could put out a CD and burn it off my computer. That's cool. I get it. I kind of want to do the first one as a book that gets released. My goal isn't to make a bunch of money. Of course, that would be nice, but I just want it to be everywhere, available everywhere, and on a level that is kind of taken seriously. So that's why I want to go through. Yeah, I got to get a real ISBN number, real Library of Congress subject headings, get it into the history books. Yeah. Yeah. All that. Let's do it. Let's do it. I want those things. I want the things I don't know about, but you said they're cool, so I'll do them. Amazing. Yes. Sounds great. Okay. I'll send you a copy. Yes. I expect nothing less to edit. Okay, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. We'll discuss further. (laughs) I'm just kidding. And our next call, (laughs) it will be an honor to have a first read of that and be part of this journey. Hell yeah. Yeah, I've been saying for years, I was like, Adam should write a book. Why isn't Adam writing a book? There's so much stuff there. Well, yeah, time's finally here. I know. I started writing one when we were working together, but it was a little more, in my opinion, like self-centered. It was more about me, which... I think maybe my ego needed to be pushed down a few notches. I don't know if there's enough. Maybe like in 20 more years that might work. But this one has my experiences or the adventures of me integrated into lessons rather than like, hey, just want to learn about my life that I probably think is cooler than anybody else in my head. But it actually in practice is nothing. So this one just uses them as examples, which I think is much more appropriate and level headed. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right about that. Damn it, pass Adam. What'd you say? Oh, I think you're right about that. Nice. I can take that. That's perfect. Yeah. Because I mean, also like, I guess the industry or whatever it's out there who are buying books back then, like the trend are very different from what might be relevant now. Like that book about you might have been a hit a few years ago. You know, it might not be now. Right. So you, you never know. Right. The meta so, of book buying. Yeah. 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 So. Okay. That's all I have for my questions for you do you have any questions for me do you know about the um what's it called the monty hall problem no it sounds it's a pretty basic math thing but <laughs> for somebody who's not college educated or i like math but no no it's easy math easy easy math jesse no stop shaking your head are you ready okay okay suppose you're on a game show and you're given the choice of three doors are you with me yes behind one door is a car Behind the other two doors are goats. Okay, so for example, you, Jesse, pick a door. And the host, me, I know what is behind the doors, all right? So um, pick a door. Okay, like number? One, two, or three? Two. Okay, I am going to tell you. Wait, the host? (laughs) I am going to open door number three. And it, in fact, has a goat behind it. Now I'm going to ask you, do you want to change your pick to door number one? Or do you want to keep your pick there? Which is more advantageous to you? Oh, I feel like I did these problems in in a class I was taking and then I completely sewed off on that. Because now it's just like 50-50, right? You got it. (laughs) I'm going to stay. I'm going to I'm going to hold. I'm going to stick with number two because I like number two as a number. No, you had the right answer. You're supposed to switch your choice because now you always, always switch your choice. Really? Oh. 100%. All right, you want to know why? Can I tell you why? Can I read it? Yes. We're going to make the listeners look it up. What do you want to do? No, you can read it. I was just trying to think if I have a good explanation for it, but I don't have a good mathematical explanation for it. You said it. The second time, you have a 50-50 chance. The first time, you have a one in three chance. You're statistically more likely to get the right door if you switch it. So when the player makes their first choice, there's a two in three chance that the car is behind the door's not chosen. The probability does not change after the host reveals the goat behind the unchosen door. When the host provides information about the two unchosen, I already get. I got lost reading this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These already. Are not, you explained it. Way Let's better. not read it. Let's not. It's fine. We get it. We get it. And I hope I explained it right. And if I did it wrong, my DMs are open, <laughs> and I'm always ready to be wrong about things, and I have no ego. That okay. that is true. That is true. That's what you get for asking me to ask questions. Okay. Yeah. I, I that was not what I expected, but um. <laughs> but that's the thing, though. Like, that question was not what I expected. But at Mistakes the same were time, like, there are those people who will know that. It's like, even though it's a 50-50% chance and it was still not switch. 
And then there are those who will switch. You know, I think I'm just. Yeah, there's those who are wrong and those who are right. That's all there is. Yeah. But which door is it? It doesn't matter. You don't know. It could be I could be right. Like number two door could have a could have a car behind it. And what if I actually wanted a goat? You know, why did the problem with the question is they just then assume the big, the, if you <laughs> wanted the goat and not the car, then the problem in this problem is, in fact, you. You are the problem. Yeah. 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 Yes. But see, like people like that exist. All kinds of people exist. So you never know. All right. And one more question. <laughs> oh, no. In a room. How many people need to be in a room together for the probability to be 99% that two people in that room share a birthday? Not by year, just day. Say, repeat that question again. I need to tick out right, you, some. You're, you, walk into a, you walk into a classroom, right? Yeah. The classroom has X amount of people. You don't know how many. <laughs> how many people need to be in that room for the chances of two of them to have the same birthday to be 99%, almost 100%. We're like 100? I don't know. Every time I read it, I don't get it. But <laughs> what the, answer, you... the answer is 57 people. Uh, all, these thing, all these things, like the reason they're so fascinating to me is because I am so not intelligent or of the level of intelligence required to do this that they blow my mind every time I read about them. But they're like popular things, so a lot of people get stuck on them. And it, with 23 people, it's a 50% chance, which is pretty good. Yeah. Which is way lower than I would have thought. So the answer is 57%. That's what, 20 people? 50% probability with 23 people and 99% probability with 57 people. Oh, interesting. I see. Yeah. Understanding the birthday paradox. What did you What did oh, you search? It says to... 75 people on this one. Maybe I got the wrong. I must Google. I'm giving it to you. What? I don't know, dude. <laughs> what did you Google? The birthday, same birthday in the room problem. Oh, okay. I sent it to you to show the math. It's way longer than you wished it was. Oh, no. Yeah. The the funny thing is, okay, and then it says a problem too. Humans are a tad bit of selfish. So that's my problem with all these statistics or like behavioral kind of sciencey stuff. It's like you cannot account for the way people behave. Like there's no rational well, the, explanation well, that's why it's, for it sometimes. Yes, that is why it's an estimate and it's not, you know, that's why there's variance. But I think they have an amount, yeah. Okay. That's why you try to get your sample size up really high. Big sample size, low variance, right? I can't math. I'm sorry. You've you've lost me. Small sample size, high variance. Okay. That is why. Yeah. I'm sorry. Half the podcast will be greater than half the podcast will be okay. So Jesse promised me that well, I thought the whole podcast was gonna be like a different podcast, but that doesn't matter because that wouldn't have worked anyway. But I listen to podcasts every week, but there's very few I listen to consistently every week. And the two I do are called Lords of Limited and Limited Resources, which is a subset of Magic the Gathering, the trading card game. It's like a way you play Magic called Limited. There's two ways to play Magic, Limited and Constructed. One of them, you bring your deck with you. The other one, you make it on the like on the spot. Like It's random. So, so Constructed is the I'm random gonna, one. I don't do Constructed. Okay. So I'm going to send you a screenshot, Jesse, because at the beginning of my favorite podcast, they do what's called a crack-a-pack. And now a crack-a-pack <laughs> is when you play these tournaments, what you do is they give you packs of cards, which I'm sure you've seen. Baseball cards, magic cards, Pokemon cards. You know, it's like 15 random cards, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so what you do is, do you hate this? Is this okay? Oh, yeah, it's totally fine. But in case it's not obvious to anyone else listening, I have no idea what's going on anything about i don't know anything about magic the gathering well, i'm teaching you. i know but I'm teaching you. i know it's a great this is great show and tell i i love it but yes i know you spent a lot of time playing magic aside from photography i think that's what photography and magic so i know Yes, magic is my way of meeting people I like to talk to. And um, so anyway, at the beginning of my favorite podcast, Limited Resources, shout out Marshall and LSV for being people. They actually inspired me to do my podcast, these two podcasts. Even though they're from a different industry, that's what inspired me to do a podcast. And they do what's called a crack a pack where they open a pack of cards like we discussed and they go through it together and discuss which card they would take out of it for their deck. Because when you play the game, you sit at a table with eight people. Everybody opens one pack and you take one card and then pass the remainder of the pack to your left or right, depending on which pack it is. So it's often discussed which card you should take and why. So I sent you a screenshot of our sample pack, which I've opened virtually from draftsim.com 
which is made by my wonderful friend Dan Troja in San Diego, California, who I miss dearly. So my question is, what do you think of these cards, Jesse? The art looks very interesting. <laughs> Isn't that cool? They have unique artists for every set of, you know, every a new set comes out every two, every three months or so. And there's in this set, there's 302 cards and everyone has unique art from an artist that drew it. Isn't that cool? The style, so this pack, they're not from the same artist, right? Because like, the style is very different, but they're not from the same, I guess, group. No, but okay. check this out. You're going to enjoy this. Okay, do you know what flavor means in regards to cards and gaming? No. Okay, so flavor has to do with the components of the card that don't really matter for the game, but tie it all together. So, for example, they don't affect the rules or anything, but these cards, although they are all by different artists, they are all done under the same world. This one specifically is called Kamigawa, which takes place... I think a thousand years in the future and it has a lot to do with like ninjas and uh, I think it has some Japanese art and a lot of artifacts and enchantments. It's kind of like robots and mech suits. So that's why it kind of all looks like that. So yeah, anyway, that's the flavor of the set. And furthermore, the cards, what they do reflects the flavor of what they are. For example, this card called Fang of Shingeki is a snake ninja with death touch, which means he's really small. He's a small creature, but he kills stuff in one hit, which is kind of like what a ninja would do. And that's how deep they go on the set. They make the cards do what you think that card would do. So if it's like, you know, another one of these is a a virus beetle, which makes you discard a card from your hand, which is kind of what a virus would do, right? (laughs) It would like affect you negatively. Yeah, yeah. And get under your skin. So I don't know. We don't really have to pick. Maybe you can just tell me which card would you pick from this pack, knowing nothing about magic and just looking at the cards. Just looking at the cards. Yeah. Which Mm. card would you want to take home to maybe just keep? I think... The Lucky Cat definitely stands out. Lucky Offering? Yes, Lucky Offering. Yeah, that's a cool-looking card. I agree. It really stood out among this, uh, all these... Well, because it's white, mostly. This cat's white. So it really stands out among all these colors. So it's right in the center. I'm just really going by visual here. So yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. all you got, right? Yeah. If you don't know the game, you can't go by anything else. No, not There's really. There's no way I can teach the game right yeah, now. Yeah, no. There, I, I watched a five-minute video of it. I vaguely understand it, but... Yeah, it's interesting because the artwork are so intricate and detailed, but they only like in like a very small canvas if it's in a card. Yes. So the the cool thing about magic cards is when they create the art, there's kind of two aspects to it, right? Sometimes people do buy the full version of the arts from the artists, but the art kind of has to work the same way as a thumbnail works. You have to have the zoomed out version of it as well. So this art looks cool from far. It's easily recognizable. When I play the game, I don't know any of the card names. I just know stuff based on how it looks because I can't remember the names of the cards. I can remember what every card does. Every three months, we remember like 300 cards and it's fun. But, you know, the art is really what does it for me. I can see the art in my head. And uh, I love good art. Yeah, I'm making an iconic image. Same thing. Same yeah. thing when you think of an artist. All right. Lucky lucky offering is what we would call pack one, pick one for Jesse. Call it your pack one. P1, P1. Okay. Now you know. Thanks for suffering through that with me. I see. I, I think your head is down because you're taking notes, not because you're depressed. I, no, I am. I wrote down pack one, pick one. <laughs> yes. What would I'm just kidding. Yeah. be your choice? Uh, well, it's different for me because I know the rules of the game, oh, but the card true. at the top, the far top left would be the card I pick, and it's called Tribute to Harobi, and it's a very good card, and it's a rare. The cards with the gold symbol on it are less likely to appear in a pack. They only appear once or twice, and usually they're better, not all the time, though. So this one specifically is very good. So I would take that card. I see. I mean, I did do, very they, happy. They look special because it's different design than the rest of the cards like it's uh vertically split or rather than a top-down split it's called a saga and uh, it actually has two sides to it if you highlight well you can't highlight no. on yours yeah but um there's another side to that card so the card has no back but yeah it's a very good card what's the so in the bottom there is not a card but what is that graphic so that is a card so in each set they release unique lands to the set and lands are a piece of magic that are uniform regardless of what you're playing anywhere. They're required to cast your creatures or pay for them. It's the price you pay to, to pay for them. And people like different designs of lands because when you play constructed or decks, you can customize how your lands look. And these ones are unique to this set. So they look very different than what lands usually look like. And there's one per pack sometimes. 
um, in a booster pack. And you don't really need to draft those because you can add any amount of lands you want to your deck. But this is more just something, you know, you can keep the cards, obviously, after you play with them. So some people might like that one. Well, that one is a very pretty and interesting looking Isn't graphic. It cool? Yeah, it's like trees and then there's a village down the trees. It's like you're looking through a bunch of trees and then there's a village is what I'm seeing. I'm going to show you. I'm going to send you a link with all the lands from the set and you're okay. going to love them. Cool. How long have you been playing Magic? So I started originally in 2000, so 22 years, but I stopped a few years after that. I was pretty young. And then I started again on Warp Tour in 2014 because Neck Deep had a bunch of Magic cards and they would give them to me for free and I would draft them with other people on Warp Tour and play. And then after that, I came home and I've been playing. I had like a social group in San Diego and I've been playing Magic pretty heavily for the past, you know, seven or so years. Do you also like play online? I do play online, usually with friends. Uh, there was a period of my life where I played too much because that's kind of how I do things. But I, the thing about Magic is it really practices my ability to think, relax. It, it's kind of, it's, it's the same reason people play golf, right? It's got that <laughs> same effect on you where it really focuses you forces you to focus on one thing and that one thing when you get good at it is very rewarding right when people actually start hitting the ball and it gets close to the hole it's like holy shit i'm doing the thing i've been trying for so long let's see if i can keep doing it and the hard part is same with magic similar to golf is you're never done right you can always get better and it's just kind of like poker in that regard and i have a pretty good social group from it so i, I enjoy the people a lot all the people i've met through that are some of my favorite people I've ever met in life. Have you been playing golf? That sounds a very specific example. I don't play golf, but I know that people really enjoy golf, and I understand why they enjoy golf, because I play Magic. Oh, I and, see. Because um, I have friends yeah. who play golf, and I don't understand it. And I used to play golf like a very long time ago when I was still in Hong Kong. My uncle played golf, and but it was like it was not a course. We were just shooting, like hitting balls on like a like right so in a straight it. line. Yeah, so I did that for a couple of years, but I was like, I don't fully understand it. I mean, that is it, right? The barrier of entry is pretty high, right? You have yeah. to be able to hit that ball, and once you finally get that, it's so rewarding. It's almost like gambling, right? You get out on the on the course. And even if you're the best shooter ever, you're not getting hole-in-ones, right? That only happens sometimes. So you're kind of getting this gambling aspect of, I'm going to hit this ball, where is it going to land, and then how am I going to solve the next problem? Granted, this is coming from somebody who doesn't play golf, so <laughs> golfers might be able to explain it better, and I might be totally wrong. But that's my that's what I've understood. Yeah, that's a very good way of thinking it. Well, I will ask a golfer next. I'm sure we can have a golfer next uh get a golfer on the podcast i will i do now that you said it i'm like oh this is a this is a great idea but yeah one thing again i don't know how far you made it into the first episode but one thing i've been like really surprised is how many of my friends and acquaintances have asked to be on the podcast and to the degree like i just very that's because you're cool yes but also i think like People just have things to say and know where to put it, and they just also want people to listen to it. Like <laughs> less time on the computer. We gotta see people. We gotta interact with them. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. Congrats okay. on all your success and crushing it on the podcast and in life and getting a master's degree. Well, That's thank cool. You. You're cool, Jesse. Thank you for saying that. How should we end this? Do you have like a thing you do at the end, or is it just okay? Thank you. Bye. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Adam. Great talking to we you. Could you don't have any. Oh, it was great talking to you too, Jesse. You don't <laughs> want to do anything at the end. You don't have like a not last yet, question no. you're going to ask everybody. No, not yet. What's not, something you really like? What's something I really like? Food. It really depends on the week. I think I was recently. <laughs> no, I was recently doing an interview for like a job that I actually got. So one of the questions they, they asked me kind of like the hobby question. So it's not it's not very common these days, but the person asked it anyway. And I was like, well, depends on the week because there's a bunch of things I'm doing right now. I did not mention the podcast because I thought that would come off too strong. But I was like, okay, like I'm knitting this week and then I'm also learning a couple of languages. And then I also got an espresso machine in the fall and I've been practicing my latte art. You know, like it's just different stuff so okay i got it for you yeah ask people 
in my opinion, you could say, what is a new hobby or skill you're trying to learn this year? And what what's your plan on how to learn it? Oh, actually, I did have a list of those ready. I just wasn't, I just didn't realize I had to use them yet. Like, I don't want to have a fixed question yet. Like, there's a few I was throwing around. For example, it'd be like, what was the most memorable thing someone else taught you? Yeah, but that one has so much weight to it, right? Like, that one you have to, like, dig into your head and stuff, and people might not know it. Oh. Or something, you know, yeah. I have one. What is something you watched or consumed lately that just sparked you joy in a very unexpected way like you didn't go into it thinking it would make you happy but it did tv or just a viewed in general anything okay i watched a kid yesterday at the coffee shop stumble between which pie she could choose while her father was watching her and he was like pick whatever one you want and she was like they all look so good and i was like oh and i told him i was like you guys come here a lot or she this is really cute and he's like yeah, we come here all the time. She just always struggles like with this. And I thought that, and I was smiling like so big, but he couldn't see because I had my mask on, but I was. And that brought me a lot of joy. That is so cute. That is a great story. Yes, I like that. Thank you for sharing that. I don't know what she got. I didn't stay. Do you get pies from there? Like, what would you get? No, I don't get pies from there because it's a place called Republic of Pie in Los Angeles, and they do have very good pies, but I think they accidentally became a coffee shop during COVID because they don't open <laughs> till 9 a.m., so they're not a on-purpose coffee shop, but everybody just goes there and works. So I get coffee and chicken wraps and stuff like that. But you don't get their pies. I have had their key lime pie because my girlfriend got it for me before I ever went there, and their key lime pie is amazing. All right. I love key lime pie. I've made one in the summer. It was great. I should make one again soon, but all right. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Jesse. Well, thank you, Adam. Of course. All right, let's stop the recording. So that was my conversation with Adam. And honestly, the reason why I struggled with editing it was because this will sound very silly, but for someone who routinely replays every awkward interaction in their head before they go to bed, I forgot that I could literally do that with an audio recording forever. And I was so embarrassed by my reaction when Adam complimented me in the beginning. My instinctive reaction was to deflect and completely change the topic. And that's not nice. Like, it, but, but it really caught me off guard and I didn't know how to react. And I kept thinking when I was listening, Jesse, why can't you just accept the compliment and then bring up the next thing? Don't do the whole self-deprecating shit. Just own it, you know? But I think a lot of people do this. It's just easier to notice when you record yourself. So there's that. Also, I just started a new job last month and I was thinking about what I said about how it's hard to find managers that trust you, which isn't actually what I meant. But I think I said that in the context of startups or less formalized environments where everyone's still figuring it out and not everyone's suited for those conditions is what I've realized. I think it often takes this very specific person. Like there's so many things about like fit and I can only speak from my own experience and what I've seen. And I've realized that in general, I'm just a distrustful person in a professional setting. So it's hard for me to think that other people would have the same confidence in me because I usually don't have confidence in other people unless I'm seeing proof of it. But I think that's fair. Like, I don't think I'm overanalyzing it or being overly distrustful. And I think I need a lot of validation and reassurance, actually. So that's my takeaway. Like, please tell me I'm doing a good job. Thank you. Anyway, so you can go check out Adam's podcast, Don't Shit on the Bus, for behind the scenes on working in the music industry. There are definitely way more jobs than you realize to make the whole business running. And I'll also include some episodes that I enjoyed in the show notes. Finally, as a PSA, please use a password manager. I don't think I could describe it better than how Adam summarized it when he described how it should be used. There's a little bit of a learning curve and some setup, but it's definitely worth it. I know the big tech companies are now talking about taking away passwords, but I think we're still a little bit far from that. We talked about 1Password because that's the one we use, but there are open source and free options. And I'll include a link in the show notes along with all the other stuff that we mentioned in the episode. Thank you for listening. And let me know if you have any comments, questions, requests. And if you're listening to this, you probably know where to find me. I hope you have a good day and I'm thinking about you. And please get a password manager.